And for the second time, I kind of felt like my life had shattered in my hands and there was nothing I could do. And again, I felt like I was from the outside looking in. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very next episode of the Second Floor Podcast. I'm here with a very special friend today. We are excited to talk about how to survive, how to thrive, and keep the good vibes going in your life and your business. And today we have a very special guest, Nitu Mangera. Nitu is the general accountant for OnTrack's IT consulting firm here in Edmonton, Alberta. Nitu also has discovered a love for pole dancing, which allows her to feel empowered as a woman, as well as learn something new to keep her active. Nitu also is somebody who has a very personal story to share, as well as something that she would like to share in terms of how she conquered anxiety, as well as depression in her life along with many other factors to Nithu that makes her such an outgoing, such a spunky, energetic person to be around, as well as somebody who's a really good time. I look forward to bringing forward to you today, Nithu Mangera. Welcome to the Second Floor Podcast. Thank you. That was such an amazing introduction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. I, you know what? I know you personally, Nithu, and mm-hmm. you know, we have, uh, we've had our fair share of awesome moments together when I personally trained you. And those are moments I'm never going to forget, you know, and I, I, I have a hard time myself and feeling like, okay, how can I make it sound like you're a super awesome person in just 30 seconds? <laughs> so that's how she goes. Nitu, why don't we start off by having you share with our audience, um, maybe just first on the career side of things, um, what that looks like for you as an accountant working for such a successful small firm and uh, having you be their go-to head accountant. And, and why you choose uh, accounting as a career? Um, so accounting actually in school wasn't really my first choice. It kind of just fell into my laps. I was taking accounting cl- uh, classes as electives, and I kept doing really well in them, so I just kept going with it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, everything was accounting. So I was like, oh, I guess this is my major. It just kind of fell into place. Yeah. And yeah, so recently I started working with an IT consulting company. Nice. And... I'm their main accountant. I work along with the CEO of the company, or mm. sorry, the CFO of the company. Awesome. Um, and it was really challenging because there's a Canadian side, but there's also an American side. So we have yeah. American offices. And I was never fully exposed to something like that before. Mm-hmm. So as I'm going, I'm able to, or I'm learning what the American tax system's like, what their payroll's like. And it's just, it's been a good experience just a lot of learning and i am doing my cpa currently Mm -hmm. so it's putting a lot of what i learned into the practical side of things yeah absolutely and it seems to me like that's on another level of intelligence when you have to balance the american side of taxes Mm -hmm. with canadian so are are you currently doing your cpa uh, u.s and cpa canadian is is that something that's mandatory no so i'm just doing the canadian cpa program i think it's pretty standard between the two countries now Mm -hmm. um i've just um no so it's pretty similar 
there's just a few differences in what they like to be reported or how they like things reported. Um, and that I've just been learning by looking at past things, what was done last month or the month before. Yeah, yeah. And just kind of figuring it out from there. Yeah, of course. That makes sense. And what is something that you find is like the most exciting part of your role right now? And mind you, mm-hmm. when I say exciting, like let's let's tell the audiences out there who think accounting's boring and who think accounting really doesn't live up to its hype. When you know someone like you who's in it every day and who actually enjoys it and who I know is extremely organized because you're one of the most organized people I know. And I want to kind of know how that fits into to your role and, and and why you do it and what makes you feel like you enjoy your role as an accountant. Oh gosh, I don't know how to make accounting sound that exciting. Yeah, um, you're able to admit it too. <laughs> I think my favorite part is doing budgets and analyses okay. and just the forecasting of it. So seeing what we can do to grow the business, do more, bring in more clients and what the future could look like for us. Cool. So that's been really interesting. I get to see kind of what the budget was last year, what they were able to accomplish, and I'm helping create the budget for next year and yeah. what's going to happen with that, as well as a lot of experience with payroll, which is, for some reason, nobody likes payroll. I love payroll. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, payroll is usually like the, like the one task that no business owner wants yeah. to have to handle, right? But for some reason, I always loved payroll. Cool. And working with all the benefits. And yeah. It's just because there's just so much to learn from it. And mm-hmm. every time you do it, there's just something new to learn. Yeah. So I think that's why I enjoy it. There you go. That's cool. And what sort of clients do you enjoy working with the most? And I, I ask that maybe... If already thinking that you do have some sort of interaction with them and maybe a, a day-to-day or weekly uh, conversation or if it's not if it's in terms of like just seeing the numbers this rule it's more so just seeing the numbers um, yeah. I don't really interact with the clients if I do need something for them I go to the project managers yeah. and they kind of are the middle ground for us okay nice so yeah there there's go. no actual interaction but yeah. I still get to see everything on the back end yeah absolutely what would be like the time you were most grateful for career-wise when, when you realize that what you do has merit in your life but also has merit in other people's life? I think that would actually be my very first accounting position. I got with a company called Miriam's Footsteps. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like a halfway house for children who are apprehended from their parents. Mm-hmm. So going in, I knew a little bit about the company. I just didn't realize how much they did. So there would be children that, for whatever reason, abuse, neglect, anything would be taken from their parents, and we would house them. And some of them were long-term, some of them were short-term, but just being able to help these kids and being able to just do the accounting to make sure that these houses are running, being able to budget to buy more houses, to create more space, Mm -hmm. and to hire more people, that was really rewarding. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah, so I, is it working for like a non-for-profit? Yes. In a sense? Yes. I love that. And I never in a million years thought I would have come across something like this, but yeah. it was hard because sometimes sitting in the office, you'd hear stories, they'd be heartbreaking, but the minute the child walked in and you had a face to put with these stories, yeah. I would just break down. I remember leaving the office crying so many times, yeah. but that just made me want to help these kids even more. Yeah, absolutely. That's a tough thing too, right? Like. Mm-hmm. When you work in that capacity and you see what's going on and you see the work that you're doing and, and who it's helping and it's for people who are very less fortunate it's for uh, you know kids that are like in that situation mm-hmm. it just makes you realize how much more you have right Definitely. and then you're like it's so tough to just turn that switch off that's mm-hmm. why honestly like, i respect a lot of people out there who are doing other careers where 
like they see that every day and it's like whether they get numb to it or not they, mm-hmm. they have to continue to see it and then when they clock out you know they can live their regular life yeah. but then they go back in the next day to experience it and right? it's really important to learn how to kind of step back from that and let work be work and not get too attached that was something i had a really hard time learning in the beginning yeah because i would get attached to these stories and i'd bring it home with me yeah and i would let it affect the rest of my day but that wasn't doing anyone any good yeah it took a lot of effort and just mental capacity to be able to leave that at work and leave home at home yeah that makes sense and like what do you think as an accountant what would be something career-wise uh from from what you do how much has it helped you in your personal life just just from what you do like being that it's you're nine to five it's what you're working on Mm -hmm. it's what you chose as a career path what has accounting uh done for you personally um i think like personally just being able to budget things better yeah um the whole banking side of things i have the most complicated system set up for myself but it works nice um and just yeah the little things about how to plan to save for a mortgage or the future or just any yeah. of those little things that we should be taught in school that we're not of it's really helped me kind of put everything in a box for myself yeah that makes sense so for for me who could learn a lot from you on that end because <laughs> my budgeting is like the first thing on the list that even guggins like you need to work on this <laughs> um what would be some tips for even like me or even like uh, our guests out there who, who are struggling with that like maybe money's coming in no problem and then after their month statement comes in and they're looking at the bank account they're all confused wondering where it's all going how how can somebody better manage their money if, uh, from the tips of the nitu mangera cpa so <laughs> cpa to be yeah. um so my biggest thing is i do have two different credit cards one is for my monthly bills like my cell phone my gym membership um my gas or sorry my car everything that goes towards my car goes yeah. on one credit card okay my nice. second credit card is my fun credit card if i want to go out shopping or if i want to go out with my friends go out for dinner i do that on my second card mm-hmm. and then i also have two savings accounts set up and each one is matched with a credit card okay so a certain percentage of each paycheck goes into each one of those savings and that's kind of what i'm allowed to spend Wow. So there you go. that's one way I, um, I'm able to save and see what I'm spending. Yeah. And then I also have a certain amount that goes into my TFSA and my saving bonds or like my stocks and yeah. all of that. So the bank actually, you're able to set up with them. I tell them how much I want and every paycheck that comes in, they distribute it themselves. Yeah. Which saves me a big step, but then everything is there and set. That's perfect. I like that. I like the ability of... Uh, not being overwhelmed by having more than one MasterCard, right? Or, you know, like a credit card, but also using it to your advantage yeah. and being like, this is for this, that's all it's for, and mm-hmm. this is going to be for that. And, and then, it helps because it shows you, because it's easy to be like, oh yeah, my credit card bill is high. That's like all my monthly, my regular bills. Yeah. But then to be able to separate it and see what you're spending going out and what you're spending on your monthly bills. Of course. It's kind of really eye-opening and it helps you budget better. Yeah, I like that. You're hired already. You're going to be my accountant for life. Done. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think now? Another question for your expertise is the best associated percentage I should put on, hey, here is you being a young, uh, early 20s individual, or maybe let's just say someone who is ready to start saving money, 
someone who plans to get married in the next three to five years. Like, I'm, 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 not, I'm not just me, but, like, I'm just mm-hmm. stereotypically putting that person who's, like, I got to start saving money. But you're young and you also want to, like, spend money. You know what I mean? Yeah. What is a healthy percentage, you in your field, that you would tell this person that they should put on their disposable income from the money that they're earning? Well, actually, so my paycheck, 50% of it goes into savings that I can't touch, whether that's my CFA or my or my tax-free or my um, mutual funds. Mm-hmm. It automatically goes in there. There's 50% right there. And then the other 50% I have to play with. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So the... The fifty percent. Let's dig deeper. So fifty percent now is the so you saved fifty, and that's for future, right? Yes. That's like don't touch this. This is for when you're fifty, and you're mm-hmm. gonna thank your twenty, thirty year old self, whatever <laughs> yes. it is, right? So with that other fifty percent, so now it's considered maybe bills. Mm-hmm. Let's consider um, fun money, and yeah, let's not make it too specific. But like, how would we then look at it like that? So with that, my month-to-month bills does get a little bit more so of that 50 percent i'd say about 60 percent goes into the responsible account Mm -hmm. and then 40 percent goes into my fun account and it doesn't mean that that's exactly what i have to spend that month Mm -hmm. if i don't spend it all great i get more for next month nice but it's just a way i keep myself in check just to make sure i'm saving what i want to save okay nice but it depends too again like some months i might go a little bit over and i might dip into the other account yeah. but i try to keep it between the two saving accounts that i do need to dip into there you go that's really neat so like you would say ultimately the 60 40 mm-hmm. balance of like 60 put towards your, your your bills and your payments the half twos the, the groceries the adulting like yeah. to, to live yeah right all the essentials mm-hmm. and then 40 of the half that you're gonna live on yes is gonna go towards like oh, okay i can dip into this i can yeah. dip into that it's because you do need to balance it. You need to have some fun. You can't just be all savings. Yeah. So it just, it helps. That's true. I find that when it's, the percentage is too low, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're not enjoying yourself anymore, no. right? Because then now you're contemplating whether or not you can have that glass of wine, right? Exactly. And it's like, oh, I, I, need, I need me that wine, you know? Like, <laughs> and I think at one point I did get like that. And my dad was, he, I love him. He was always like, what are you working for if you're not going to spend the money and have fun? Yeah, like He's that. like, yes, you need to save, but at the same time, you need to enjoy your life. You're not yeah. going to be the sage again. I like that. So that's when I kind of sat down and was able to break this up. It took me a couple of tries yeah. and a couple of trips to the bank to readjust the percentages, but this yeah. is what I found really works for me. Nice. That's really awesome. I like that. What do you think, Nitu, is um, something you can share about how much personality uh, raises an importance of how that relates to your career choice and i'm going to be specific and then I, I i like this question i ask it a lot is with the career of let's say accounting for you how much does your personality benefit the fact that you enjoy the role and that you're, you're doing good at it so that's interesting because when i first decided that yes i'm going to continue with accounting i was the biggest introvert so sitting behind a desk not having to interact with anyone really spoke to me because i just I didn't like stepping out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And recently I have been able to step out a little bit, but I just feel that now when I do have to meet with clients, when I am in meetings, I'm able to bring out my education and the fun side of me and put them together and really present myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to now think outside the box. I'm able to help in a few different areas around, not just based on accounting, yeah, but just because... 
I enjoy learning, I'm able to step into different areas as well. Yeah, of course. That's super neat. And like, do you think you would recommend, and, and to play the devil's advocate, would you recommend somebody who's like maybe high energy like me, mm-hmm. right? Like someone who's bouncing off the walls and who loves talking, loves communicating, loves to present, loves to do all these things, and then goes to you, has coffee with you one day, sits down, and it goes, Nito, you know what? Like maybe I'm, eight, I'm young, 18-year-old Kenny. I'm like, I want to be an accountant. I want to be a CA, you know, and, and you're my cousin or maybe you're just someone I look up to mm-hmm. and, and I see what you're doing and I just want to follow suit. And I say, I want to do it. Like, it, it seems interesting. You do it. Uh, you seem like you like it. How would you react to that? Like, would you just based off of knowing my personality, mm-hmm. what would you do? If I was to think about it, I think with the accounting part. So I do a lot of industry accounting work, mm-hmm. which is the behind the desk, the budget accounting, the, ca- the cost accounting analysis. I think you wouldn't excel there with your personality. I think you would be better off in a place that does like just taxes, something like Deloitte, where yeah. you're meeting with clients every day, you're yeah. out and about, you're not just up behind a desk. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Do you think that's like, I like that answer. Do you think that's the biggest differentiator from like the the small medium-sized businesses uh the firms i should say Mm -hmm. and like the large corporation firms for like big four well there are different types of accounting right so like the big four you're working just with clients Mm -hmm. the industry side of things where i'm at i'm working for the company trying to do the back end for the company the Mm -hmm. bookkeeping so it is very different yeah that makes sense i see so one has like larger clientele base and the other one could just be like you're doing the accounting for one specific business or corporation whatever it is right there you go it's pretty neat it's awesome what is something you you wish more people knew and respected about uh accounting that you feel Um, like doesn't get enough attention for the accountants just the level of detail and the attention span you need for it yeah because you're working with numbers especially like something as simple as typing something into a calculator if you miss a digit or you mix up digits, it does throw everything off. Like I remember this one time working for um, my last position at Covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a $2 million difference somewhere. And everybody was going through it. We had to present it the next day. And a $2 million difference is a big difference. Yeah. And I remember just looking over it and it was just a simple adding error. Oh. They missed a number. It was all right there. So just the level of detail and the amount of concentration you need for this stuff yeah. does get overlooked. Yeah, I can imagine. Like one little mistake of missing one number can turn out to $2 million yes. of a deficit, of a miss. Yeah. That's crazy, hey? That's cool. So let's switch gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more about Nitu. Let's talk more about your story and, and you know, career aside, um, I... Another huge reason why I wanted you to come on here is be a huge advocate for overcoming the battles that you face mm-hmm. through through anxiety and, and through dealing with it at, at the severity of the level that it was. And I, I think it's fair to, to start off this uh, conversation and exploring it is to give you the opportunity to, to just guide us through uh, what triggered your anxiety uh, before we kind of get into details. So mine all is based around loss and grieving and having someone who's so important in my life not being there anymore. Mm -hmm. That's where my whole depression, my anxiety, everything was based around. Yeah. And when, when that happens, 
and again, a lot of this is, is, is really, um, it's new to me, even outside of our friendship and yeah. it's us exploring some new territory is how do you start to, um, understand that you're going down this path and you're realizing that it's, it's at the, it's at the level of severity where you, you no longer can control your own emotions. And that's just the emotion that you have. And you know what, that's the hard part because you don't know yourself or you don't really realize yourself how far down you've gone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes an outsider to really push you towards taking the steps you need. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough that I did have someone help me through this and realize that I am going through something and I'm trying to put this brave face on yeah. and it's not working because it's just making things worse. Yeah. No, and of course. that's what helped me recognize that, yes, I'm going through something and I can't just plaster the smile on my face anymore yeah. and go through life. Wow. So you were at a point where, Nitu, you, like, you didn't even realize mm-hmm. that you were at a level in which you, you weren't functioning at. Because I was trying to distract myself with anything and everything else. Yeah. And you can never totally forget about what you've been through. It's always eating at you in the back of your mind. But the further you push it away, the worse it comes out later. Yeah. And that's what I did. Of course. Um, if you don't mind sharing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, exactly, you know, someone in your life who was closest to you, who you lost. And, and you know, if, if you're willing to share how it happened. So I think I'm going to start with, I grew up in a family of five of us. There was yeah. my mom, my dad, my older sister, me. And I was super fortunate that my dad's mom lived with us. Yeah. And she came a month before I was born. So right from the beginning, I was raised by two queens. And I was so fortunate because my mom and my grandma had such an amazing relationship. And we were just this tight-knit family. And when I was in grade six, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. But being the amazing woman she is, she didn't want it to affect me and my sister. So they did tell us, like, hey, mom's not doing so well. The doctors know what it is. And she's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And that was the extent of what we knew. So we didn't realize how serious things were. Yeah. And I remember that year, my mom had put me in a school that was quite far away. And all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, I'm taking the yellow school bus. And for me, I was like, why isn't she coming to pick me up? She's always picked my sister up. She's picked me up from kindergarten to grade five. Why now? Mm-hmm. And... You know, she was going through her own stuff. She was going through chemo. She was trying to hold herself together for us. But part of me, and, you know, I regret it now, but I used to think that she just doesn't love me anymore. Yeah. Not knowing that she's doing this to hold herself together for us. And I remember her telling me later that, you know, sometimes she'd be so excited. She just wanted to see her girls. And the minute we'd come home, just her emotions would take over and she would leave because she didn't want us to see her cry. Yeah. And I didn't know that. But so for a couple of years, we were just told she's not well and doctors are doing what they need to do. And I remember when I found out I was in grade eight and my mom was at home, the phone rang and I ran into her room, picked it up. And it was, I think, a family friend from Toronto. And they were just like, oh, we want to know when your mom's surgery is. And I remember going, my mom's not going to surgery. Like, yeah, 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 for her cancer. And that was the first time I ever heard that my mom had cancer. And I still remember we had like this big fax machine in their room. And I don't know what happened, but it all just came falling down. 
Oh my god, really? And I'm still trying to process this. Like, why is this person telling me my mom has cancer? Yeah, like finding out like that. So, I remember being angry. And I don't know why I was so angry. Was it the fact that they didn't tell me? The fact that my mom has cancer? Like, yeah. I just remember being angry. And I took the cordless and I threw it out, like, towards my grandma. Yeah. And I was like, there's someone that wants to talk about mom's cancer. And my grandma's face just fell. Oh. And then that night, we were meeting my mom at the temple and... I just walked by her. I just, I didn't know what to say to her. Yeah. And yeah. my grandma took her to the side, told her what happened that night. We went home and my mom openly told us what was going on. Huh. And it was scary because I didn't know a lot about cancer. I just knew it was a deadly disease. Yeah. But she explained that she's going through her chemo, her radiation, and things are going to get better. Yeah. And that was when I was in grade eight and things just kept going up and down for her and then March 6th of 2006 to cancer one and we lost my mom Sorry. yeah that's okay and I remember getting a phone call that morning from my dad saying you know just come to the hospital your mom wants to see you girls yeah and my dad was spending the nights at the hospital with her he had taken time off work and we get there and my mom's in a coma I and I don't know. I'm like, why is she not waking up? Yeah. I was in grade 12 at the time. And midway through the day, she woke up. And she was slightly communicating with us. And I still didn't know. She was in palliative care. I had no idea what palliative care meant yeah, at that time. I know what this meant. My sister, being older, she figured things out a little bit better than I did. And I remember that day after she woke up, she was doing a little bit better. She ate. So a couple of us went to the temple just to pray and just just to pray for her yeah and we went back to my aunt's house and everybody was eating and i just i was getting so antsy and i was like i just want to go back to the hospital so they took me back my sister decided to stay and rest for a bit within an hour she was gone and i just remember holding her begging her to come back yeah and it just felt like in that moment my life fell apart in my hands and i couldn't do anything yeah. It felt like I was like this outsider just looking in. Yeah. And I remember I was the one who had to call my sister to tell her. Oh, and man. how do you break that news to someone like, hey, your mom's not here anymore? On the phone. On the phone. And I was like, you need to get here. So they all came rushing back. And that was on a Monday. Her funeral was the following week. So it was a very, very long week for us. Yeah. And the process of how Indian people grieve, they cry a lot. There's a lot of wailing, like loud cries, which actually doesn't make it any easier. So I remember me and my sister having to excuse ourselves and hide out in our rooms. Our friends would come up there. All the elders would sit downstairs and we would try to distract ourselves. Just, it was, it was hard to hear all that. And my, that was the first time I had an anxiety attack. I didn't know what it was. And that was the first time I just felt like I couldn't breathe. And it was, it was scary just because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And it's just, it felt like it was a dream. Like none of it felt real as I was going through it. Yeah. And as the days went on, things just, it started sinking in more and more. And even the funeral, it was one of the biggest funerals that Funeral Home had hosted. Like there was people standing outside. It was snowing. There's people up the stairs. I remember at one oh. point I needed to like, get away and needed to breathe yeah. and I was trying to get to the bathroom and we couldn't even make it through to the bathroom 
Oh my god. And it was just it was amazing to see how loved she was. Yeah. Because she played Yeah, she played a big part in the community. Um, everybody knew her and a lot of people were shocked because nobody knew she was sick. Yeah. She held knew. herself together mainly for me and my sister. And yeah, so after that happened, a big part was I guess me, my sister, and dad, we were trying to stay strong for each other. Mm-hmm. So my dad wouldn't show his emotions. My sister wouldn't show hers. I wouldn't show mine because we just, we needed to be strong for each other. That's all we knew at that point. Do you think that helped? It didn't. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. It's you're allowed to grieve. You're allowed to be upset. Yeah. But I felt that I wasn't. And yeah. even sometimes, like, you know, we would try to talk about it, but we'd always try to hold ourselves together. Yeah. Which... We did what we needed to do, but it probably wasn't the best. And so fast forward a couple of years, um, I was really close with my grandma. Again, she was here since I was born. Yeah. And yeah, I grew up very close to her. And then March of 2013, she passed away. Oh and God. I remember she got really sick and she was always a strong, healthy lady. Yeah. So seeing her in hospital was... It was very different. So I was fortunate enough that my dad was okay with me dropping my classes. And I spent about 10 hours a day, 8 to 10 hours a day, at the hospital by her side. And when she first went in, she was in isolation just because of an infection she had. And actually, this is where my love of Ja comes from. So I've mm-hmm. always enjoyed my Ja. Everybody knows that about the me. reason why. Um, but when I would get to the like in the mornings, I would just I wouldn't be able to eat. I was just so anxious. I was like, I need to see my grandma. So I'd wake up, go straight to the hospital. I'd walk in, and she's like, I know you didn't eat. So she would send me to the cafeteria. Oh, she knew, eh? She knew. Just so. <laughs> I would go down and I would grab the quickest thing I could, which was usually tea and a muffin or a scone or just some little biscuit. Mm-hmm. And I would eat it on the way up. Because I didn't want to spend time away from her. I didn't want to take that time to sit down and eat. I just, I wanted to be by her side. Yeah. And because she was in isolation, I wasn't allowed to take food in. So she would send me down about three, four times a day. Each time I would just go get a cup of cha. No way. So my love of cha. it was quick. It was, it was quick. So my love of cha was already there, but this kind of fed my addiction for it. Yeah, yeah. And so I remember seeing her go through a lot of ups and downs and... She was 80, and she fought a good fight with the infection she had. So she was in isolation, all of a sudden ended up on life support, came off of life support and started physio. She was walking around the hospital, and the nurses would always say, like, we've never seen someone of her age come out and be able to do something like this. Yeah. It was pretty amazing. Wow. And. Very strong. Yeah, within those three months, I got to open up to her a lot. Yeah. We were always close to begin with, but there was a lot that I felt... The closure I didn't get with my mom and a lot of things I wish I had said to her, yeah. I got to say and do with my grandma. That's awesome. And I remember this one day, her, the lady next door to her started complaining about me. Really? But And the nurses came and told me, they're like, so they keep complaining that this nurse spends all her time in this room. And like we tried to tell her she's not a nurse, she's oh, a granddaughter. No way. <laughs> but this lady did not believe that she a granddaughter would spend that much time at the hospital by her wow. grandma's side. And especially when she got better, she was off isolation and like she didn't have all her IVs hooked up. I remember four o'clock, we'd just both jump into her bed and we'd take a nap together. Nice, that's so cute. Like, and then or like we'd watch videos on my phone together. Like yeah, special moments. Yeah, so I got to talk to her a lot, and um, I honestly did think she was going to be coming home, 
but she caught another infection and again a couple of years later in this like you know in a hospital in the same position I was holding my grandma just like I was holding my mom and my grandma passed away right in front of you right in front of me so they both took their last breath in my hand really and again I'm begging her not to go but it's not working and for the second time I kind of felt like my life had shattered in my hands and there was nothing I could do and again I felt like I was from the outside looking in and at that point I was like how can this happen a second time and my faith was kind of already on the rocks after losing my mom yeah but after losing my grandma I was like there cannot be a god like this is just too cruel yeah and especially when there was hope exactly she was supposed to come home yeah they were actually both like my mom was supposed to come home I think the next day and then one day before she passed away my grandma was supposed to be discharged I think that week so both times like it just it really shook me and again that was a long week we had family coming in again just like for my mom's funeral we had family from different cities across the countries coming to attend the funeral and this is your family going through this all over again 10 years later um it was about was eight it years roughly? later yeah eight yeah. years later so it was just i don't even know if difficult is the right word because it was beyond difficult yeah just to have to go through all of this again again yeah and being that they both passed away in march it was just you know march 6th is my mom's anniversary so we were just coming off of that March 16th is my grandma's. Actually, yesterday was her five years. Yeah, wow. And it just, it was all so surreal again. Yeah. And at this point, I just, I didn't know what was going on. Like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't put it together for some reason. Like, that's when I actually broke. When my grandma passed away, after the funeral and everything, that's when I actually broke. Okay. And I remember always saying to myself that, the only thing that we're born guaranteed with is death. We're not guaranteed a family. We're not guaranteed meals. We're not guaranteed a house. It's true. The only thing we're guaranteed is we're going to die one day. Yeah, it's very true. So then why am I having such a hard time accepting this? Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it's, yeah, it's the one thing we know it's going to happen in life. It's the one thing that's the hardest to accept is losing someone. Yeah. And I remember especially a lot of people being like oh poor girls they've lost so much and that didn't help either yeah and so again long week we got through the funeral and I actually think the worst is after the funeral people stop coming and that oh really everybody thinks that like right after the person passes is the worst it's actually when everybody stops coming yeah because now from the moment the person passed away to the funeral you're surrounded by family you're surrounded by people yeah it's busy 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 the day after the funeral it's just you and that which is, is like the time you need to be closest to someone correct exactly. me if I'm wrong right that's when, when you you're going need more support yeah and and how people say that time heals all is actually it's a lie as the years go on you realize that there's so much you wanted to share like I didn't get to share my graduation with my mom I didn't get to share my 18th birthday with her no milestones were shared with my mom and Every time something happens, I remember that and I feel that void. So time doesn't make things better. It just makes more of what you're missing out with the person. Yeah. But after my grandma passed away, that's kind of when I broke down. And 
I remember even having this struggle with my sister because relationship dynamics changed so much. Yeah. And I know we only recently talked about this, but for the longest time, she felt that she needed to step up as a mother figure for me. Really? And that angered me because I was like, I don't need a, like, I need a mom, but I need my mom as my mom. Yeah, and not, I need you yeah. as my sister. You being my mom and sister at the same time is just going to make things even yeah. more. So there was just this huge shift in dynamics. Like, relationships were very like we were still close, but it was very different. Yeah. And she didn't understand that I needed a sister, and she didn't understand why I was resisting her motherly love so much. Like wow. I still love her for stepping up and doing what she did, but yeah. you know, had things been different, or like if we were to go back, I think I would actually voice that, "Hey, I need a sister, not yeah, you to step into." This I know role. that's a tough thing to do when you're the younger one, and you're still young, and you're still yeah. trying to figure it all out and exactly. voice it out to the older one, right? Exactly. And by this point, especially when my grandma passed away, my sister was moved out. She was living in Calgary for school, so it was also really hard going through this without her, because I was the one seeing my grandma get sick. I was seeing, you know, the day to day, like where things would go wrong, what would happen. Yeah. And you know, I would tell her over the phone, but. It was hard to see. It was easy to talk about. It was hard to see. But yeah, so about a month later is when I finally, I broke. And someone's like, Kate, you really need to like talk to someone. You need to go to a doctor. Like this isn't healthy the way you're presenting yourself or the way you're trying to move on. Yeah. So I did go see a doctor. And right away hearing that, you know, I've lost so much. They jumped into, you have depression. You need to be on medication. Did you, how did you react to that? Like, what was the reaction? Especially when you hear that for the first time. Honestly, at that point, I had felt like I was thrown into this big hole. This category. I just, I couldn't, well, no, like, just metaphorically, I felt like I was thrown into this big hole. Yeah. And I just, I couldn't climb out of it. So, I was just, I was desperate. I just needed to feel some sort of relief because, and this is actually something I haven't shared at that time. I started having thoughts of like harming myself because I just needed another form of pain to take away the pain I was feeling from the loss. Of course. And that was scaring me. So when I went to the doctor and all of this was talked about, they gave me the medication. I was like, okay, maybe this is what I need. But at that time, looking at it now, I needed to go seek professional help. I needed someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. I had been through a lot. I'm allowed to be upset about it. And being put on those antidepressants, I felt like me grieving was wrong. So all of a sudden, I'm trying to shut out these emotions again. And I'm trying to rely on this medication to make me happy, which is completely wrong. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I don't know if I was actually depressed or not. All I know is I went through tremendous loss. And I remember that medication making me really not feel well. I was constantly nauseated. I remember there was times where I would just be sedated for like the entire day. Really? Yeah. Like you feel so, like you didn't even want to move? I wouldn't move. My dad would come home in the evening because um, I was still waiting for the next semester of school to start. Yeah. And my dad would be like, you haven't moved. You haven't gotten out of bed. And that's when we realized that, Kate, this medication isn't working. Yeah. I talked to the same doctor. He put me on another medication. And I kept taking them. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with antidepressants. They do work when they're actually needed. Mm -hmm. But I feel like for me, I was was needing 
like a, psych- a psychiatrist or a psychologist at that time. Yeah. That's what I needed. I needed someone to talk to. I needed to work through what I had been with and what I was trying to suppress. Mm-hmm. And so I remember trying a whole bunch of different medications that made me gain a lot of weight. It made me really uncomfortable in my own skin. I just didn't know why I was ballooning out when I'm not eating anything. Yeah. And it just made me really self-conscious, just made things worse. Yeah. And then I actually started feeling depressed because I'm not liking the way I look. I'm not liking anything about myself. I can't really do much. I'm constantly sedated. So finally, I made the decision I'm going to stop. And I talked to my doctor about it. He wasn't for it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of took it upon myself to slowly cut back and I stopped the medication. Yeah. And, you know, I did have the guidance of my sister, which really helped. Awesome. And the one thing I love about my family is they're very supportive of everything. So if I needed to some seek professional help to talk to someone, they were very for it, especially because it's kind of looked down upon in our community. Yeah. People don't talk about it's it. It's a sad reality. Yeah. I remember growing up and there was a guy in our community who committed suicide. And I remember listening to the people talk about him and they were like, well, what did he have to be depressed about? He had a nice house. He had a good career. His family bought him a nice car. That's what it looks like from the outside in. You don't know what it looks like from the inside out. No, and it's not, about the, it's not about the materialistic things. Exactly. He had so a nice true. house, but that doesn't make that doesn't make a difference on the depression he's feeling and the demons he's fighting inside. And how he looks at it. Exactly. Right? Or what he's going through. You don't know what's been said to him. You don't know what his day-to-day looks like. No. You don't know all those little micro details in his life. No. That's why it's so sad when people assume. It is. And that's why I feel people need to be more open about mental health and talk about these things. Because there's nothing wrong with needing that help. Absolutely. And I remember feeling like, remembering all these uh, incidences growing up, I felt like, oh, I'm crazy if I need that type of help. And I had such a supportive dad and he was like, no, you need to talk to someone. And maybe, you know, your sister and me aren't the right people to talk to. Mm-hmm. So let's find you someone. And I remember saying, okay, I'm going to, I booked an appointment and I didn't go. I got oh. scared. And I started just trying to find other things to keep me busy. Especially with, if, if you can share, and I don't mean to cut you off, me too, because you're sharing very very you know key personal details and i appreciate you for doing so is um i i I want to just obviously state that this is going to be at that time the first time you're telling like a stranger Mm -hmm. who is professional but a stranger what's happened in your life and that's the first time i'm actually confronting my feelings yeah and how it's making you feel so that that's why i completely agree how scary Mm -hmm. that could be Right? Because, yeah, there's a lot that I hadn't even admitted to myself. Wow. And and it had been, like, a good eight year. Yeah, about eight years since my mom had passed at this point. And there were still things I hadn't dealt with from when she passed. Because I didn't know how. I didn't know I was allowed. And I had a very supportive sister. Like, yeah, we talked about things. But I never got deep into what I was feeling or what I was going through. And, yeah, so I remember... She, backing out from that appointment and I got myself busy with school I was working at that time I found an accounting position so I was working accounting during the day taking my courses in the evening so I kept myself busy and I made excuses oh I don't have time to go talk to someone at this point maybe during like 
Christmas break or spring break or something. Like, we'll see. So I kept putting that off. And once I graduated and I started working full time, I realized how, now I realized how big of a toll everything took on me. Mm-hmm. Because I remember I would go to work, I'd come home, and I would just be drained. And I couldn't move off my couch. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to sleep, get up, go to work, come home, sit on the couch, and just... Yeah, that was just a routine. That was just my routine. And I was like, what kind of life is this? Yeah. And that's when I actually decided, okay, you know what? I need to do something for myself. And that's when I kind of started being like, okay, I'm not even eating properly. So let's start eating. Let's cut down the jaw a little bit. Cause yeah, yeah. That was my fuel for the entire day. Of course. And so I tried working out. I went to the gym and I was super awkward. I was so self-conscious. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I remember working out, but again, like I didn't realize that eating played such a big part at that time. Yeah. So I wasn't eating properly still. Like I'd have one meal a day maybe and 10 cups of cha. Yeah. yeah. Well, six. Six. <laughs> and, to be exact. Yeah. And, um, I just, I felt really awkward and I didn't know what I was doing and I hated going to the gym at this point. Yeah. So I stopped. I'm paying for a membership and I would always laugh. I'm like, yeah, I'm making my monthly donation. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because the money's coming out of my bank account, but I'm not going. Yeah. And it was very new to you, I imagine. Like, very. Going to the gym wasn't something that you ever even really did in the past. No. This was yeah. my first time stepping foot into a gym. Yeah. It was good gym life territory. on Calgary Trail. And yeah. I just felt like a lost puppy. And I would awkwardly like go on like one or two machines and be like, okay, I'm done. I'm going yeah, home yeah, now. Yeah. So it wasn't making a difference, which was getting really frustrating for me. And actually, that's where the next part comes in. And I, I'm the type of person when I get an idea in my head, I need to execute it right away. Yeah. So I decided that I've grown up dancing. Maybe if I found a form of working out that included dancing, it'd actually benefit me mm-hmm. and I'd get something out of it. So I start looking, it's in the middle of summer and a lot of classes are booked up or there's not as much that they're offering in the summer. So I remember looking at some classes, belly dancing being one of them and everything had started and it was like a six to eight week wait. And I don't want to wait. When I set my mind to something, I want to do it right then and there. Yeah. So I remember just looking up other things and then there was like ballroom dancing, but you needed a partner yeah. and I had no one to go with. So that was out of the question. And all of a sudden, I came across a page, and it was pole dancing. Yeah. I remember laughing to myself, like, oh, like that would be fun. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you're like, it'd be fun, but okay, never mind. <laughs> so, whatever, closed my laptop, went on about my day. A couple of days later, it came back into my mind. And I was like, you know, maybe for the confidence part of it, and it's dancing, maybe I should give this a try. And the class was starting the next week. Or actually, that week it was starting. And... It was a six-week session, and I was like, whatever, six classes, let's do it. Yeah. And I didn't tell anyone I did this. So I signed up. I went in the first two classes. Again, I was so awkward. I was too shy to try anything. I was scared of messing up and not being able to do anything. And I remember walking to my third class, and that's when I kind of yelled at myself mentally. Yeah. And I was like, if you're not going to try, what, what the hell's the point of being here? Yeah, exactly. You're wasting your time. You're wasting the instructor's time. Like, what are you doing? So I remember the third class is when I finally let myself try. Right. And I surprised myself because I was able to do the beginners, like, moves that they were teaching us. Mm -hmm. And I remember I left with, like, the biggest smile on my face. So the six weeks ended and life 
got busy again. And at this time, I'm also trying to manage the new shift of dynamics at home. So now the cooking is all on me. The taking care of my dad is all on me. Because we went from, again, a family of five to two people living in that house and my sister being in Calgary. So Such big differences. Very big difference. So I'm trying to adjust to all that at the same time, as well as my job, trying to find the energy to do this all. Mm -hmm. So the six weeks was over. I felt a little bit better about myself. Started going back to the gym a little bit more. Um, still didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And I remember just getting busy with life. My sister's wedding came and I got busy with that. And then after that, again, there's a void now. Like, what am I doing with myself? What should I do? Yeah. And it had been about six months. And I was like, you know what? I really had fun in that class. Let's take another. Nice. So I signed up for another class. That's awesome. And that was almost three years ago. And Wow. I'm still in those classes. That is so cool. And I'm among these amazing women that support each other, empower each other. And I feel like I'm part of this like amazing community right now. Yeah. And I'm absolutely in love with it. Yeah. Anytime, How could you even let that go, right? Exactly. I've tried a couple of times. Every time my membership comes up and or like it expires, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a break. The day it's ending, I'm like, no, 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 I need to go back. Yeah, nice. You're like, I can't live without this. Like, it's just, it's so amazing being in an area where you're so supported. Yeah. And, you know, even when I'm having a bad day and I go, I come out with a smile on my face. But at one point, again, I was plateauing. Things weren't going the greatest. I wasn't advancing like I wanted to. And that's when I met you. Yeah. And I remember needing to work on my strengths a lot yeah and i remember at that point i was going through another downfall and that's actually when i started seeing a psychologist yep. or sorry a psychiatrist yep. i keep mixing that up yeah noise i started seeing a psychiatrist and i started talking about everything that i was going through the things i was feeling the things that i didn't let myself feel mm-hmm. and all of a sudden all this grieving i should have done 10 years ago i'm doing now wow really and that took a really big toll on me yeah. And I remember just breaking down and not being able to consult myself. It brought back a lot of feelings that were it did. It ha- under the rug. A lot. It brought back feelings. It brought back anger. I just, I didn't know how to control what I was feeling because now 10 years of feelings in one minute just came rushing Yeah. In. Especially when at that point you're at the level of being in the brain of a mature mm-hmm. woman now who is an adult who who thinks about things a little bit more strategically mm-hmm. who's had that settle in after that many years yeah just the new the new perspectives that come with that mm-hmm. right very much so and that's when i learned it's okay to grieve it's okay to cry it's okay to feel these things because it's a big loss losing a mom losing a parent is not easy losing yeah. anyone you're close to is not easy it's true and you know, I was 17 when my mom died. I still had so much to learn from her. Yeah. I had so much that I needed from her. And, you know, as much as people are like, oh, you know, like, how are you? No one genuinely asks. Yeah. And so you don't get to genuinely talk about these things with anyone. It's just all in your mind. Especially when all they're expecting is a one-word answer. Exactly. Good, no, not bad, or... 
I'm all right, thanks. And despite that answer and despite how it's said, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, have a good day. Yeah, like how many people take the time to actually genuinely get into a conversation? Yeah. And it's really sad. Like we're all so busy in society today that you can't slow down just to actually ask someone how they're doing. Exactly. And I remember at one point, like especially meeting people in the community, if I was crying, it's, oh, no, 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 you shouldn't cry. If I wasn't crying, it's like, do you not feel any remorse? Like, there was no right way to feel. Yeah. And that's when I kind of realized, like, screw everyone else. It doesn't matter what they want me to feel. It's what I feel. Yeah. And it took a lot for me to be able to even realize that. Mm-hmm. And even, like, my first uh, session that I went and talked to this person, I was so reserved and held back. I couldn't bring myself to saying these things. Mm-hmm. So I went home and I started journaling and I started writing all these things down. Yeah. And I just remember crying and writing and my page is just like full of tears at this point. And that's that's when I started healing. That's when I started letting myself get everything out and let myself heal from all this pain I've been through. Yeah. And that was around the time when I met you. Yeah. I remember meeting you through a friend and I brought it up that I wanted to learn kickboxing yeah and i remember the back of my head being like yeah this isn't gonna go anywhere it's just all talk (laughs) it's a one-time thing again yeah because i met your brother first and he's the one who introduced us and i was like yeah this ain't going anywhere then all of a sudden you're texting me and you're setting things up and i just i didn't know how to say i don't want to do this anymore yeah and i remember meeting you at the gym being like what the hell am i doing here i don't like how do i say no to this guy (laughs) and i am so happy that you were so persistent on setting up a time to meet because it's been just over a year now i think it's been more i think it's been more since that moment i think time has really flown by wow it has yeah i think maybe two years this summer i think actually around christmas time yeah two years around that time yes Crazy. So yeah, about a year and a half now. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just you setting things up and me just not knowing what to say. And I just kept saying okay to everything. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, I became accountable to you. Yeah. And for some reason, I didn't want to let you down. That's just the type of person I am with anything in my life, any person. I don't like letting people down. So I'm always like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. And I end up taking on a lot more than I can handle at times. Yeah. But I just, I can't say no to people. Yeah. But that's the one thing. Like, I'm so thankful that you were so persistent. Yeah. Even when Thank I didn't you. want it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you kept making me show up to the gym. And yeah. you started helping me realize what I need to do, how I need to eat, and started putting these things together for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that was an amazing outlet for me. Yeah. Because I was taking the time to do something for myself. I wasn't worried about cooking dinner for my dad. I wasn't worried about going to work. I wasn't worried about when I'm going to enroll in my next CPA course. Yeah, yeah. It was just time where I'm focusing on me. Yeah, you had that me time. And I was allowed to be selfish. Awesome. And had you not pushed me for that, I never would have come across that. Yeah. And that, along with you know, seeking the professional help, talking to someone, it all played a big role in it. Mm-hmm. And I remember sometimes... I don't think I told you this, but like I would go for one of my sessions. I would talk things out. I would come so frustrated, and then I'd work out with you. Yeah. And especially, like, we were boxing, we were weightlifting, we were doing a whole wide range of things. Yeah. It would help 
calm me down from what I just talked about. That's great. And the feelings I just brought out. Yeah. And that, that made a big difference. Just putting everything together and actually focusing on me. Yeah. And letting myself feel, letting myself heal. Of course. And I think there's even a day where I broke down in front of you at the gym. Yeah. And... I think that's the day like I realized you're just not my coach you're actually a friend yeah exactly because we had a really good talk about why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling definitely and we had the opportunity to to stop what we were doing yeah what our personal objective was as a coach as a personal mm-hmm. trainer as a as a as a student to learning the ins and outs of fitness and we capitalize on a moment of okay there's there's more to this mm-hmm. there's more to obviously you having fitness goals yeah. you know you're coming in with a certain energy let's let's fix it well if we can't fix it right now let's let's at least give it some life mm-hmm. you know and it, let's let's yeah. sit down and let's hear where that's coming from and like that was the first time we realized like there's another human here like we're not just this business contract yeah and again like life is so busy nobody sits down and makes that effort to have that talk but you did that day yeah and that that really helped me a lot just knowing that what I'm again what I'm feeling I'm okay to feel and I don't have to again put on this brave face and do everything in a structured motion you let me have that day to screw the gym screw the workout but just sit there on that chair and talk and I don't know if I even made sense like I couldn't get words out my sentences weren't even like proper sentences yeah no you did but you let me do that. Mm-hmm. And then we left without working out, but I still left feeling refreshed. Yeah. And again, it was just, there's so much I'm trying to deal with at that time that yeah. having that like that relief, just, it was what I needed. Yeah. And then I remember coming across another person who I was kind of trying to talk, like in the medical field, I was trying to talk these things out. And he recommended doing a gratitude journal. Cool. And it's been about a year that I've been doing this. So every morning I wake up and I write five things I'm thankful for. Nice. And it's not like, oh, I'm thankful for food or the house, but things yeah. I'm actually thankful for. Like yeah. this opportunity. Yeah, of course. Or having, you know, supportive people like you in my life. Like yeah. actual things. Yeah. And then I write five things that I feel. Mm-hmm. And more times than none, they're not the flowery, I feel great. Yeah. There's a lot of, I feel numb. I feel sad. And I let myself acknowledge that I feel that way. It's real. It's real. And I find with that also, it helps me leave that at home, go outside, work, do what I need to do, and then come back home and deal with it. Because the worst is, and this is what I used to do, is take those emotions and those feelings and everything I was dealing with and take it throughout my day with me. Wow. And that's why I would come home and just collapse on the couch. Yeah. Wow. And have nothing else. Have nothing else. To show for it. Holy moly. Well, there's just so much you said and you gave so much detail. I'm blown away, right? Even things that you mentioned you do that you and I didn't know about, mm-hmm. right? And I know that's not easy to do. Oh. When when you touched upon really the, I feel like it's like the, the come up of Nitu Mangera, you know? And then like just you realizing that you need a support system, mm-hmm. right? And this is me kind of just giving the the cliff note, so to speak, of, of uh, summarizing the, the good mm-hmm. out of uh, the struggles you suffered. And the good meaning, obviously, like the good of how you handled it mm-hmm. and then how that's made you the woman you are today, right? 
because obviously nothing good comes out of unforeseen circumstances like that. And I find that what I'm curious about actually is you did you did mention how there was times where you would see a psychiatrist and then thank you for being open and honest mm-hmm. about that. And you would come to the gym with me. But in that transition period of seeing psychiatrists and going to the gym for yourself for me time and, and whatever, having a coach there with you, it seemed like you didn't get what you wanted out of seeing the psychiatrist. And, and I, I don't mean that directly as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean that maybe on the day you would expect, okay, after talking to this individual, I'm going to be able to, sorry about that. After talking to this individual, I'm now going to be able to feel better about myself. Like, did you expect that? Or, or were you for certain that, okay, I'm going to go in there today and I'm going to be saying some things and it's going to make me feel a certain way. I think I knew going in that because of how heavy these topics are and just the level of pain that I've gone through and the level of trauma I've gone through, like, seeing someone you love and care about take their last breath in front of you is very traumatizing. So I knew that going in there, I would come out emotionally drained. Yeah. And even knowing that, I came out even more emotionally drained every time than I thought I would. Just because for the first time, I'm digging into these feelings. I'm talking about this. I'm actually voicing it. And sometimes thinking about things and saying them out loud is very different. Yeah. And... I don't think at that time, and I don't know if this is the right way to word it, but I wasn't strong enough to go home and process everything at that time. I needed a distraction. Yeah. And that's one thing you've probably noticed about me. I do a lot of things to keep myself distracted. Absolutely. Like, I remember working out with you. I would be seeing you every second day. I would be in the pole studio every day in between Yeah, that. busy. Some, busy. Yeah, sometimes I'd double up. But by the end of the week, I would be so worn out. Yeah. And I remember you telling me that I need to slow down to yeah, step back a little bit. Definitely. But that was the only way I knew how to deal with everything. So no, I think I did get what I needed out of there, but I knew it was going to be emotionally draining. Absolutely. It was going to be heavy. Yeah, that's good. You set that expectation yeah. for yourself. If you could go back and, you know, take what you what you learned from each experience of, of, of coping and, and finding mechanisms to make yourself understand what you were going through do you need to recommend seeing a psychologist and seeing a psychiatrist and everything else in between of what you did or do you think there were some things that you did that you know you could have been better off without honestly if I could go back and redo this definitely uh, seeking that professional help seeing the yeah. psychologist Awesome. Um, or sorry, the psychiatrist. And knowing that it's okay to feel. You don't always have to have a smile on your face. You don't always have to be happy. Life isn't happy. If it was all, you know, sunshine and rainbows, it would be a fairy tale. But it's not. Yeah. And I think a lot of us shy away from seeking that help because of the stigma it holds behind it. Yeah. But... And, you know, a lot of people do it in private. It's nothing you need to share. It's nothing you need to tell people that, yes, I'm going and seeing someone. But I think it's really beneficial. Even if you haven't gone through something like I have with losing two people in your life that you're very close to. But even stuff like, it can help you deal with work stress. It can help you deal with your relationships. Yeah, wow. So everything else going on. Just everything, like the little, little things. Seeking professional help. Yeah, seeking, like going and talking to a psychologist. It will 
honestly changed so much for you. Wow. And I know people think that you need to be damaged to go, but you don't. Yeah, I love that. That's so true, hey? Mm-hmm. It's just the ability of ensuring that you're you're just regurgitating everything that's going on in your life and ensuring someone at the professional capacity mm-hmm. can can kind of be a set of ears for that yeah. and, and ask the probing questions that mm-hmm. you'll never even get from even a friend. Exactly. Right? And honestly, getting that, I think the biggest thing is getting that validation that I was allowed to feel. That's the one thing, like, the biggest thing I'll ever talk about is being able to feel. You're allowed to be sad. And just knowing that that is okay, that was the biggest help I got through all of this. Yeah. Wow. Do you find me through that when you could give advice on this subject to, to anyone else mm-hmm. out there who, you know, God, God forbid, you know, like, they, they've gone through maybe something exactly the same of what you've gone through, which, you know, is a very heartbreaking story to hear how that's that's happened to two people so close to you, or even if it's just one person. What advice would you give for, like, that best friend or that that sibling or that loved one for that person, their, their significant other, how they can help the person that, you know, has just had this bad news and this heartbreaking situation of them losing somebody in their life. Like, what can that that loved one do for this person to make them feel, you know, that they understand and that they're there for them Reaching after it out. happens? Reach out to the person. And don't, don't have that pity in your eyes. Don't tilt your head to the side and say, are you okay? Generally make conversation. Yeah. Generally see how the person's doing. Show you care by asking, have you eaten? Can I get you something? But just be there whether it's a phone call a text or being there in person it makes a big difference yeah and again validating the person's feelings they're allowed to be angry they're allowed to be sad they're allowed to feel whatever they're feeling Mm -hmm. and for some people they don't feel or they don't like me with my mom i didn't come to terms with it until further down the road yeah i was sad when she passed away but it didn't really hit me until a couple of years later yeah and that's okay. There's no right way to grieve. There's yeah. no wrong way to grieve. I see what you mean. Where it's not like you beating yourself up for, why don't I feel like this immediately? Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. It's a process. And it takes time to process what just happened. Yeah. So the biggest thing is, is just being there physically through text, phone calls, or yeah. actually showing up at the person's door. Of course. That's so true. I want you to take a minute to be very selfish and be very, you know, let's... Let's have you be very honest with, with, with our audience and myself and, and let us know what you're most proud of it, throughout the process and then what you, you're so like thankful for that you did for yourself that's made you, you know, the successful, happy, confident, um, well-spoken individual today who, who clearly, you know, went through hell and back experiencing all of this, but you did everything in your power at a certain point where you said, I'm not going to let this sadness and, 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 and this this feeling of wow you said going down this dark hole mm-hmm. take over my entire life I think and honestly it's just going to be in like this past two years again this is all started in 2006 when I lost my mom two years ago when I decided that yes I'm going to go into that office and talk to that person and honestly you were a big role like getting that coach in the gym helping me 
I think that was the best thing I could have done for myself Mm -hmm. in terms of really letting myself get through these things. Because now I'm taking care of me. And I took care of myself physically, and that helped tremendously to take care of myself mentally. Absolutely. Like, I remember when we first met, I think like two months in, I called you. Hey, I just got in an accident. Someone hit my car. I have a concussion. I can't meet up with you for the next little bit. Yeah. And then right before that, I sprained my finger. Yeah. A couple of weeks later, you called to check up on me. And I'm like, hey, I have two second degree burns. It was one after the other. It was crazy. (laughs) That month was, yeah, that was very crazy. And then, again, you've known me for a year and a half. Things have always been coming up. Whether it's injuries like my plantar fasciitis in both feet. I was having a hard time walking. But I was able to still overcome all that. And I still got my butt to the gym. I still did what I could to the extent I could. Some days were better. Some days were worse. But I was able to still make it to that office. I was still able to make it to that gym. And I stopped letting my life hold me back. I stopped using what I went through as an excuse. Absolutely. And I let it push me. Because my biggest reason to working out was I saw my mom not take care of herself. Yeah. For me, it's not... It's no longer just the aesthetics of it. It's, I want to be healthy. So, you know, in the future when I have kids, yeah. I can be there for them. Like, and you can live a long life yeah. and do everything. And I can provide what I missed out on. Yeah. Because, you know, my mom was busy taking care of everyone else. Absolutely. So for me, it was a big thing to learn from her. Yeah. And do what she didn't. Wow. That's incredible. And, and you know what? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. And... That also helped me excel with my pole dancing. Again, it's a very big stigma. It's something I've never been open about. But being around such empowering women has honestly boosted my confidence so much. But being able to do a lot of the stuff, I needed more strength. So just everything tying in together, it just... Seeking those two people, you and that um, therapist, has brought me so far in just two years. That's amazing. And honestly, Nito, I'm incredibly humbled to even have the ability to be of such help for you at a time that even even I didn't even know how extraneous and serious it was in your life. And to, to be that impactful for somebody, and especially for you, when you were, you were that light in my life in terms of being my first student who was eager to learn. And, and as a coach from the personal training perspective, for, for, for me to learn as we were going and, and to even to match up with what you said, you're somebody who knows that you're pushing certain boundaries in your life and you're willing to sh- let someone else know that they should do it too. Mm-hmm. And you did that for me. And to see how much you've grown as a woman and as a person, it made me realize, especially at the time when you told me Nitu, when you're like, dude, like, you should turn this personal training thing into, into more of a serious thing. Like, do this for others. And, and, you know, I give you all these ideas. And you're like, you should do it. And you were the first person, really, who inspired me to, to do my personal training uh, certification through Precision Nutrition. Mm-hmm. And to not just learn the physicality of things, but learn the nutrition side. And learn how that relates to health and wellness. And yeah, because I was so surprised you weren't doing that. Like, this is what you're made for. You're amazing with this. Yeah. And that's one thing I love working out with you. You knew when to push me because I was holding back. And you knew when to hold me back because I was pushing too hard. Absolutely. Like, 
you're just you're made for this thank you yeah and we had incredible moments along the way where even like you said you you had so many adversities and so many chances to be like okay we gotta take breaks but we kept pushing through those injuries and whatever there was we worked our way around Mm -hmm. it right and i just want to take the time to to yeah really just appreciate you as a person and for sharing this story and, and coming on here on a public platform to share everything that you've gone through right like i know there's some people out there who won't even dare to tell anybody that they even just see a psychologist mm-hmm. whether they're going through something as serious as you did and are or have you know other matters going on in their life so i hope you realize that like you're a huge component added to the fact that you're gonna let people feel so much better about themselves you're gonna be another added voice to let people know that it's okay if you're at the lowest point in your life after whatever happened to you because you deserve to feel that and from there get all the help that you need and also for the people who are friends and loved ones of these certain individuals how to cope with what that's like and to be there for that individual right so I hope you realize Nitu that if your mom and your grandma were here today they'd be very very proud of the woman that you became thank you honestly like they are listening to this right now and they're so damn proud, and I hope you know that. I think I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. I just, I had to say it. <laughs> that, yeah, that really touched my heart. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. And thank you, you for giving me this opportunity to actually be raw and talk about all this. Of course. No no problem. You're honestly welcome back anytime. <laughs> like, you you blew my mind, and I, I know you know that I, I knew this story, and I'm, I'm very honored to be able to... Um, have you trust me to, to say this even as a friend and then for you to also come on air and speak to this thank you yes no problem Nitu uh, to wrap things up um, I'd love for you to let us know for, for anyone else that, out there who wants to continue to pick your brain and, and get to know you on a personal level how can how can people out there in Edmonton and the world connect with Nitu um, the best would be my Instagram it's awesome. just Nitu Magera and yeah that's the best way to get a hold of me that's perfect. Sounds good. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the Second Floor Podcast audience, I bet your mind is as blown as mine is after hearing that. And you're, you're entirely humbled and honored at the fact that Nitu shared something so personal. And uh, let that be a testament to, to everyone out there to, to be a little bit more willing to, to share that personal side and, and not be afraid to, to let your guard down and, and tell people out there who are close to you how you really feel, right? Definitely. So, thank you so much, Nita. It was a pleasure having you on board. Thank you. God bless you. Bye.